Let's take off, baby. Let's just drive, honey, into the night sky, to the sunset shine, into the day, baby. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. This is Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. It might surprise you to learn that our most visited state park is not within a vast and beautiful forested area. It's in our biggest city. Nestled in the highlands of Marquette is the UP's only 36-hole golf course, and it offers pleasure for players of every skill level. The Ann Arbor Art Festival draws about a half million attendees each year, and it's back this July. And it's time to make your plans to visit a public or private campground this summer. We travel Michigan next, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Welcome to Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan, and I am really happy to be back with you again this week as we explore what's happening out there in the great state of Pure Michigan at this very special time of the year. What a great time to get outside and to try some new things. Maybe go to some really popular places. And we're going to start out today by going to the most popular place in the state for vacations, especially at summertime. And you're probably thinking, where up north are we going to go? Well, here's the big kicker, the big surprise. The number one tourism destination for visitation and for spending, by the way, in the state of Michigan is the Detroit area. Absolutely true. About 40, 45 percent of the travel volume that comes into pure Michigan is uh, happening in the Detroit area. Why not? With all the really cool things to see and do in Detroit, the sports, the uh, the entertainment, the food, and just the overall atmosphere of what's happening in Detroit today. It's really, really spectacular. And, and when was the last time you went to Belle Isle as part of your Detroit visitation experience? Even there, the Belle Isle uh, experience is getting better and better every day, partially because the Michigan DNR now manages the wonderful Belle Isle. And to tell us what's happening there, let's bring in Amanda Treadwell. She is the urban area field planner for the DNR. How you doing, Amanda? Hi, great, Dave. Thanks for uh, having me here today to uh, tell a little bit about what's going on in the park. Our pleasure. And uh, it's it's so interesting because, you know, people who have been to the Isle, they, they might know already that it's just a really big island. It's been, uh, it's been around for a long time, and it's a really cool place. And you keep on working on things. So right now, I know you're working on the Anna Scripps Whitcomb Conservatory. Tell us about that project and, and what the conservatory is. Sure, yep. The Anna Scripps Whitcomb Conservatory uh, is, was constructed uh, in conjunction with the Belle Isle Aquarium. Those uh, This facility opened in 1904, so it's wow. been with us for quite some time, had its 118th birthday last year. So needless to say, she needs uh, some love and attention. <laughs> yeah, well, so, I-, I was there probably in 2019, yeah, I was there for a big uh, event reception, and as much as I really loved walking through both the indoor and outdoor uh, spaces, 
at the conservatory, I was thinking, boy, it really does need a little help because, man, it's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in uh, 2019, we replaced all of the 20 steel trusses that hold up this enormous dome. Um, so they replaced those uh, kind of two by two as they moved around. Um, and then we were open for a, a couple years. And then last year, in November, we've started this phase two renovation where we're replacing all the glass in the upper dome. We'll be cleaning the steel, repainting it, and um, adding some more ventilation for the plants in there. So it's a it's a big project. Um, we started last November and we'll be working through 2024. And during this time, the, the facility is actually closed to the public right now the entire time of the, the second phase of construction. Is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. But people need to start doing their planning now uh, because before you know it, you'll be reopened. You have plants virtually from all over the world. Um, uh, do, you, do you actually display them you know, by region or, or how are they displayed? Oh, yes, that's a great question. They're, the center palm dome where the work is happening now, uh, that's got a lot of um, palm and tropical plants in it. And then you can continue that a tropical theme as you go to the south wing. Um, there's the horticulturist has a lot. Jeremy Kemp has a lot of fun plants: bananas, oranges. You'll see fruit trees. You'll see a lot of orchids um, from the orchid collection. And then going north, there's um, where it's more dry, and uh, you'll have the desert collection there. And then that goes into the fernery. So uh, there's a lot of different uh, plants, like you said, from around the world. And uh, in the showroom, the staff there change out that display for the different holidays and um, throughout the year. So there's always something new there to see. During the construction, are people able to get to the, um, you know, the garden areas outside of the conservatory? Uh, is that possible right now? That will be open this summer, Dave. So we're uh, moving out some equipment that's been in there supporting the work in the dome. Uh, We expect in June that we'll be able to reopen those gardens to the public. And, of course, a lot of this work is being funded by uh, the uh, American Rescue Plan. DNR received, I think, like $250 million, and they're putting it to work in Detroit at this uh, wonderful conservatory. Who was the designer of the conservatory? Uh, The designer was Albert Kahn, so renowned Detroit architect who's worked all over the world and um, who also happened to um, design the only marble lighthouse in the nation, which is on the east end of the park. So next time folks come out and they want to see that. Uh, It's a beautiful memorial to William Livingston. And they really should. And I know, uh, of course, uh, even though you can't get into the conservatory right now, uh, this this season you can see the uh, Piet uh, Odolf Gardens uh, open, you know, at various times uh, on the island. Is the aquarium open right now as well? Yes, the aquarium is open for their regular hours. Sounds good, because that's always a really cool experience as well. Just just being on Belle Isle is uh, really, really fantastic. It's the biggest of its kind in the nation, and it's really interesting to see how it's coming back to its full life and what it can be because of the work of our Michigan DNR. Thank you so much, Amanda Treadwell, the Urban Area Field Planner for the DNR. We'll be right back with more 
here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. It is such fun when you're out there on a Michigan golf course. We have so many to choose from. And you don't have to be Arnold Palmer. Is that a little out of date? Tiger Woods. Maybe that's out of date now, too. Uh, Spieth, I guess, maybe. Uh, You don't have to be, you know, a real professional to enjoy golfing. Uh, Man, I hope not, because I want to enjoy golfing, and I sure do when I'm all around pure Michigan, and one of the places I have yet to golf, but I am looking forward to, is a place up in Marquette that everybody talks about as being one of the best golf courses in Michigan. It's called Gray Walls, and I have been up there, and I've seen the view, and it's spectacular. So let's find out what the golfing is like up at Gray Walls in Marquette. We bring in Mark Gilmore, who is director of golf at the one and only Marquette Golf Course. How you doing, Mark? Dave, I'm doing great. How are you doing, sir? All right. Uh, really happy to uh, be able to talk to you because I am embarrassed to say I've never golfed gray walls. I just, I'm just never up at the right time. I just never have time when I'm up there. But I need to make the time because it's one of the reasons you need to head up to Marquette at this time of the year. And I'm, I'm just hearing great things about what you guys are doing up there. So give us a little hint about the uh, golfing is like in the Marquette area. Okay, Dave, number one, we do need to correct that. So you do need me to make the time to play this golf course because it's that special. But, yeah. You know, um, yeah it, it's, it's, it's different than anything in the Midwest, I would say, Dave. Um, it's uh, about 600 feet above Lake, Lake Superior, so it has these panoramic views, and we can see actually about Munising's 45 miles down the lake. So several spots on the course, you can see that far down the lake. So it's got these incredible vistas. And the name Gray Walls is from these rock formations throughout the golf course. So the combination with the hills and the views, it's second to none. There's nothing like it in Michigan and certainly not in the Midwest. Yeah, I'm told that some of that rock in the Upper Peninsula is some of the oldest exposed rock in the world. And even if that's the only reason you want to go up there just to see (laughs) those formations, it's well worth it. Uh, But but how how many holes do you have there? We have 36 at the club, and uh, Gray Walls is part of Marquette Golf Club. Yep. And we've been a club since 1926. Um, our existing course we call the Heritage, and it's a great golf course, but it's getting kind of lost in the shuffle. But it's actually a William Langford design. who's mm-hmm. one of the great architects of all time, and he was Chicago-based. And the, the, the thing we've heard, he was Donald Ross's best friend, and Donald Ross went all over the world to make golf courses. But... He was more of a family man. He had six or seven kids, uh, didn't want to travel very far from Chicago. So he has some great golf courses in this region. And we're the farthest one away from Chicago that he actually did. Wow. Uh, so, so what really differentiates Gray Walls and what's the name of the other course? The Heritage. The Heritage. the Heritage. Yeah, the yes, Heritage. Sir. So what differentiates these courses from uh, others around Michigan. I know you mentioned the elevation and in the fact that there are these, you know, rocky outcroppings uh, here and there, uh, and it really everywhere around Gray Walls. Um, so, so what else really makes this special? 
I, I think that it is the train, so regardless. So, I mean, it really is different than anything else. In the U. If you've been into the northern part of the UP, the southern UP is kind of flat and kind of barren, but all the rock formations start from about five miles south of Marquette and go all the way up to the Keweenaw Peninsula. So it's a totally different topography. Um, so it makes it really interesting and things you don't expect on a golf course, which makes it interesting. But... Um, I think that the other thing, too, um, you know, I mentioned William Langford, but our architect for the Gravels course, Mike DeVries, is one of the best architects in the world now, classified as one of the very best in the world. So we've had two amazing designers do our golf courses, and they just stand out. I don't know if anybody else in the state has two great golf courses like this on the same property. So so can you be kind of just a okay golfer to enjoy golfing there? Absolutely. You know, we are member-based, and we have over 500 members, Dave, and so that was really um, very important to us when we built the Graybells course, because uh, we wanted it to be equally playable for a lo- all levels of ability. So, and I'll be just kind of frank, the first year, because uh, the Heritage is a little softer course conditions, things like that, a little flatter. Um, our members were afraid of going out on gray walls. Um, so there was really some hesitancy to get out there because it was so different. Um, just not what you expect. I mean, it looks visually very hard. It doesn't play that hard, I have to say that, but visually it looks very hard. And so all of a sudden, um, no, nobody was going out there. Our ladies' league would not go out on the gray walls course for the first year because they were afraid of it. And all of a sudden, they started playing. Now, we can't get anybody to play the Heritage course. Isn't they that funny? Love, they love the Great Walls course. And it's really difficult. We've had to create specials for memberships on the Heritage because everybody wants to play the Great Walls course. I heard a similar story at the Treetops, uh, from the Treetops folks, uh, when they built the Three Tops course because it's uh-huh. su- it has such interesting elevations. And um, it's it's a little scary looking until you play it, and then you realize what a, what a fun uh, place to play. So I bet this is the same thing. Some of those courses, they do look a little intimidating. You just wonder if you're going to be able to do it. So I always just try. And, and you know, the unfortunate thing is I'm not any better anywhere, but I'm just as bad everywhere. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) You know, Dave, I think that's a sign of a good architect though, or a great architect. It's, uh, he makes something look challenging and difficult, but it really might not play that challenging and difficult. That's that's great. So, so, that so how, intimidation factor. So yeah. So how far away are you are you from like downtown Marquette? Uh, you know, since we've been a club since 1926, we were outside of Marquette city limits basically, but we've always been in it, the city limits. We're only two miles from right downtown on the waterfront. So so that's kind of a neat thing. We're readily available for all the hotels in the area, very close in proximity to downtown for all the eateries and it's oh the the pub bars and establishments down there so it's uh very conveniently located when that course first opened i bet the community thought it was way out in the wilderness and somebody said why did they build it out there why did they put it out there so far away but but yep. now i bet it's just you know fantastic do you fantastic. do you know if, are there any like stay and play packages that that anybody offers uh, any deals like that yeah absolutely we, we have a couple couple different ways to go on that dave um we're kind of honored to be a part of a package called the Perfect Foursome. Um, yeah, it's involved with a couple courses down um, at the Isla Resort Casino in Escanaba, which is Sweetgrass and Sage Run, and then Timberstone and Iron Mountain. 
and we're fortunate enough to be included in that package, and we've created what we think is the best golf package in the Midwest, and I'm, I'm not sure it isn't. It is an incredible package. It's super successful. Um, they have a huge casino, obviously, uh, two towers, brand-new rooms. Uh, everything's brand-new, so it's kind of like Vegas in the Midwest. Ah. We have four incredible golf courses, all ranked in the top 20 in the state of Michigan. Yeah, and, you know, I have uh, golfed one of those uh, courses, uh, Sweetgrass, uh, and that is a beautiful course. And you just reminded me that I had heard about this package from those folks, and I might just take advantage of that this summer. I'm looking for some golf spots with my buddies, and that sounds like a a great deal of fun. So I I know your website is uh, full of information. Uh, Can we do any bookings online, or do we call you to make our tee times? Yeah, right now, um, because the courses aren't open, um, we we everything is on direct call. So as soon as our tee sheet, or as soon as the course is open, we open the tee sheet. So, but uh, right now it's direct call to the Marquette Golf Club. So, so that uh, number is what? It's nine zero six two two five zero seven two one, and extension one is the golf shop. Extension was the golf shop, and you really do want to check it out. And and, and visitors can can golf either course, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Fantastic. So we are member-based, but we, we're more than welcome and glad to have the public play. So. Well, I can't uh, wait to check it out myself at the Marquette Golf Club, especially Gray Walls, but I will try both courses, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and so now I know why you're the only course to have 36 holes, you know, at one place. That makes total sense to me now. Of course, there is your website where people can find out uh, information and such, golfgraywalls.com. Can they make a booking there, or do they just give you a call? They, they can make a booking anytime they want. We're ready, and the phones are manned, and anytime they're willing to come up here, we'll take care of them. Sounds good. Thanks to Mark Gilmore for being with us today. We're going to go to a different type of art in Ann Arbor. Right here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. It's Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. It's that time of the year where, yes, we go out there and we find all those events and all those festivals. Uh, I especially like to go to these uh, festivals and events uh, when they they really are part of the kind of the, the flavor of the town. You know, they, they help describe, you know, the history and the culture of the community, or they really help define that community. And that's really how I see this next event that we're going to talk about because the Ann Arbor Art Fair, uh, man, it's been around for a long time. And in my mind, the art fairs in Ann Arbor really are in so many ways definitive of what that town really represents. It's such an art friendly town. Of course, it's, you know, a center of education and and it's, it's just a really cool place in a lot of ways. But let's find out what's happening with the Ann Arbor Art Fair uh, in Ann Arbor. It's coming up July 20th through 22nd. And to tell us about it, we're going to bring the director in, Karen Delhay. Karen, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. You bet. Well, this, this art fair has been around for a long time, and something tells me uh, that uh, it's a real part of the tradition of the town. How did it get started? 
Um, so it really has been. This will be the 64th year of the Ann Arbor Art Fair. Um, it started in 1960. Um, as you know, Ann Arbor is a college town, um, and the community was looking for a way to increase the uh, economic activity in the downtown area after the students left for the summer. Oh, yeah. So they were already doing what was called bargain days, um, where stores were coming out into the streets and having sales. Um, and so they decided it was a fairly new concept at that time to bring artists in um, and put them out on the street. And um, it's funny because you hear stories about back when it started and they charged a dollar for the artists mm. to be out there mm. and um, how they would say things like, no self-respecting artist will come sit in the street. Oh, <laughs> and wow. They were wrong. <laughs> so yeah. it was so successful. It started on South University. That was the, the original location of the fair. And because of the success there, it grew to the State Street area. And then um, it grew to university property. Some of the students and emerging artists set up on the Diag. Um, so it's just kind of grown over the past 65 years, and it's truly become um, and lived up to its purpose um, to be a huge economic driver for the community. Well, it has to be one of the oldest art fairs in the country, and I'm, I'm sure it's one of the biggest uh, as well. It is, it is. We um, have close to 1,000 artists, um, all jury-selected, which is um, means it's going to be a high-quality art fair, um, and it is the largest in the nation. Well, and, and now I, I've been, I've been told this before, but I don't remember, remember the details. Uh, how does the art fair connect with other art fairs? Because you, you have a few of them that kind of run in sequence, don't you? So the Ann Arbor Art Fair is actually three fairs that run simultaneously. Ah, okay. um, so to go back to the history part of it, um, the original one started on South University, like I said, in 1960, um, the State Street District started in um, a couple years after that, um, and then um, the the Guild Fair, the Ann Arbor Summer Art Fair, started in 1970, and that was the one that started on the Diag with the students and emerging artists. Um, and then um, at one point, the original fair moved over. They left South University area, and they moved over to university property, and then South University had a fair. So it's kind of <laughs> ebbed and flowed. Now the South University Fair isn't there anymore, and it's part of another fair. And hmm. Anyway, so, so overall, it's three separate fairs that are um, under the one umbrella of the Ann Arbor Art Fair, but it's three separate organizations that run these sections. And really, the main difference is just in um, the mission of the organization. Um, two of them are arts organizations. One is run by the um, State Street Area Association, um, but all, you know, work together under the one umbrella, like I said, in marketing. And, you know, so, so we're pretty seamless in that when people come to the event, they don't really know that it's three separate fairs. Yeah. I, and I had heard that story before. I'm sure I'll forget it again, only because I do think of it as <laughs> just one really big, beautiful art fair. Now, uh, I'm guessing you're going to close down a bunch of streets uh, with such a big event. Um how do people find out where to park um, and how to kind of traverse the area? So the best way to get information is either to follow us on social media. So you can follow the Ann Arbor Art Fair on Facebook or on Instagram um, or to go to our website, which is the Um There's 
tons of parking available downtown Ann Arbor, but we also have shuttles that run from Briarwood and here on high school. Um, so lots of options to get you there safely. And, and even once you're on site, um, we partner with uh, Main Mobility and BMW this year, and they're going to have autonomous vehicles running around the fair for people that want to, because like you said, it's, it's roughly 30 city blocks. So if you come out and you, you know, walk the whole thing and decide you're too tired to go back to where you started, you can hop in a main mobility autonomous vehicle and it'll take you back where you started. I love those things. I I just find them fascinating. It's just worthwhile just checking out. Uh, And now this festival, it, um, it doesn't run on Sunday. Is it like Thursday, Friday, Saturday? It is. It is. Yep. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It used to be four days. It used to be when it first started, it was Wednesday through Saturday because, Back in the '60s, think about it. Nobody was open on Sunday, um, yeah. so it was. Uh, it's pretty much been a tradition since it started not to be there on Sundays. Well, and the thing is, there are so many really cool things to do in the Ann Arbor area. So if you wanted to come for the uh, entire art fair, because it might take you three days to see everything, and then maybe stick around for that Sunday, or, or maybe even come earlier in the week, or stay beyond that next week, there are a lot of great places to stay and a lot of really cool things to do in that area. There are, there's so much to do. We really encourage people to come for the weekend because on Sunday morning, there's so many places you can have great brunch. Um, so, you know, come out, enjoy. We're tearing down Saturday night, and by Sunday morning, you won't even realize we were there, um, and you got the whole city to yourself to explore. So there's a million different great restaurants. Such a, It's such a um, foodie town. Um, and, you know, anything you could possibly want, you'll find in Ann Arbor to eat. So um, so I recommend sticking around for brunch on Sunday morning. I, I'm there with you. Now, now this, this art fair, you mentioned that it is juried, which means, uh, as you described, you're going to have really good art to, uh, to look at and to select for gifts or whatever you might want to do. Uh, what type of art? is on display here is this mostly paintings or or is it everything no it's everything you name it we have jewelry ceramics painting mixed media we have digital art we have wood we have sculpture um yeah you name it it's here glass um so so yeah there's something i like to say there's something for everyone any type of art um as well as all different price points um, you know, people like always say, you know, I don't have enough money to start collecting art or, but you can, you know, I've started my kids from a very early age coming to the art fair and giving them small budgets and saying, go pick something. Um, and you can find it, you know, $50, $100 and all the way up to, you know, the thousands of dollars. So, yeah. um, something for everyone for sure at it, the event. I'm sure you've already picked all the artists that are going to be displaying their work, uh, this year. But if there's an artist out there who would really like to be part of this art fair in the future, how would they uh, go about uh, being considered? So applications usually open for the event. Um, so it's all three, at, you know, open at different times, but usually in late fall. Um, they should go to the com website, and it'll link you to each of the applications for each of the fairs. Um, we're kind of roughly on the same timeline for when we accept applications and when the jury happens and things. So, um, and it, the juries happen pretty early in, in January, February. It's, it's usually pretty surprising for people, but um, you need to select those artists. There's a lot of logistics involved in bringing a thousand artists into town. So it, it does happen pretty early. So start thinking about it next fall. Yeah. You were talking about 
uh, when this started, uh, it was really not thought of as being very professional to display your art on the street, so to speak. Uh, but today, I'm guessing that some of those artists are going to be working on new pieces during the show so people can see them uh, working on some of this. Is that true? Yes. Yep. We have artists that are painting on site. Um, there's artists who do demonstrations throughout the fair. Um, so, yes. And then the, the other piece of that is, um, you know, you talk about education and, and students in school who are going for fine art degrees. Um, we work with each of the fairs has a, a separate emerging artist program. Hmm. Um, so it, it's kind of a way to teach young artists um, about the art fair profession. Um, so uh, one of the programs, you know, does workshops throughout the year um, with these emerging artists that culminates at the fair um, so that they can set up and, and learn how to do an event. And um, so, yeah, so it's, a, it, it's kind of a really cool opportunity to kind of get the artists involved and, and realize that this is an option and a path that they can follow. What a neat thing. The Ann Arbor Art Fair, uh, Midwest tradition, certainly really incredible it's only a few days just three days but it's it's going to feel like you get nine times the art because it's three days and you have three festivals in one and by my my math that goes nine times it's going to be really well worth it so check it out july 20th through 22nd in ann arbor and if you would like to find out more before you go go to the website the ann arbor art fair.com is where you go and then head there it's going to be fun we're going to talk about camping this summer next here on travel michigan where your trip begins at michigan.org Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. We are so close to the official, official time to go camping. You know, I go camping at this time of the year, and I've been already heading outside, uh, you know, earlier than this uh, over the years. But man, there's something special about summer camping in Pure Michigan. Uh, there's nothing like it. And to tell us all about uh, various places you can go and why you should be camping in Michigan, let's talk to John Lindley. He is the president and CEO of MARVAC, also known as the Michigan Association of Recreational Vehicles and Campgrounds. Hey, John, good to have you with us. Hey, thanks for having us, Dave. You bet. So, uh, man, uh, what a what a season for us to get out there. But I, I do have to say, the last time we saw each other was in Traverse City at, at your RV show. It started out like such a typical early spring day. Beautiful. A lot of people going and then, of course, that next day, tons of snow. You just never know. Yeah, let's just say that the uh, the attendance wasn't what we were hoping it was going to be on that particular day of that show with, I bet. with 10 inches of snow falling. Yeah, that's that, right. that was so, so bizarre. But that's the way it is. But, hey, that's behind us. We are ready to get back outside. And I think I've told you before... I'm getting a little tired of just tent camping. We still want to do that every so often, but I uh, was really happy to look at some of those new RVs. They are spectacular. Oh, the, the, the RV market nationwide is, is just fantastic. There's something for everybody from, from your, you know, your class A motorhomes that those big diesel pusher coaches going down the road to, you know, something that, that a family can afford very easily and is, is towable by a, a minivan 
Um, there, there truly is something for everybody in the market. Yeah, I was really impressed by um, these, uh, you know, the efficiency of these new RVs that are coming out. Some of them you can, uh, you know, trailer uh, behind a relatively small vehicle, and they still give you a lot of space. There was one at that show that was, it was huge. I couldn't believe how big it was. And they were explaining that it's so big, they need to have a professional hauler, bring it somewhere. And then that just stays there all the time. But it, it was awesome. Yeah, that was a, that was a destination trailer, Dave, which is, um, you'll see them throughout the state of Michigan and throughout the country where, um, you know, campgrounds and, and seasonal campgrounds, seasonal sites serve as a, a vacation home for a lot of people and those destination trailers that are are intended to be lived in for just a portion of the year not year round but they're not meant to trailer every weekend to your different uh, Mm -hmm. favorite state parks that certainly is not the intent yeah it was very very impressive as all of them were well right now i know a lot of people uh are really more like me they're either going out by tents or they're starting to uh bring out the uh, rvs that they have or they're starting to look at rvs and they want to know where to go. Uh, so how can you help us with that? What do you recommend people do? Well, you're right. There's a, a palatable anxiety or, or uh, I guess, uh, excitement in the air relative to, to the, the unofficial start of summer coming up and people looking forward to getting the campgrounds. You know, Dave, there are roughly 1,300 licensed campgrounds in the state of Michigan. That accounts for just under 150,000 campsite. Hmm. There's no question that Michigan is just a, a, an unbelievable leader in that space throughout the state of Michigan. And uh, the best place to get that information is through us, marvac.org, M-A-R-V-A-C.org. We are truly the source for all information related to RVing and camping in the state of Michigan, um, uh, whether it's RV dealerships, sales, service, um, and the campgrounds from 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 the western UP all the way to to down to the southern tip of the state. Well, you know the the Department of Natural Resources they keep a great listing of all the state parks, uh, but you have in addition to that all these private campgrounds that are often very different than uh, the experience that maybe you're going to get at a Michigan state park. I love that experience. But I have gone to private campgrounds, and they offer, you know, additional entertainment and such. It's a really nice option. Oh, absolutely. And and you're absolutely right. The, the DNR and the assets that the state has, um, you know, throughout the state are, are fantastic and beautiful. But we also know that, and, and people will tell you, that those fill up pretty quickly sometimes. Um, but like I said, there's, there's 1,300 licensed campgrounds in the state, and there are private campgrounds all over with beautiful amenities from, um, you know, waterfront areas to uh, swimming pools, children's activities, entertainment, bands, um, et cetera, in the evening. And again, you know, the best place to find that information um, is through us, through Marvac. We've got a directory that we publish and issue every year. Um, One can request it for free at our website, marvac.org, and we'll send it to you or it's available online at the website. I know that a lot of people like the idea of having an RV, but maybe they're a little intimidated by it. And I will say the first time that we rented a Class C RV, it seemed so small when I saw it in the brochure. And then when I went to the dealership here in Michigan and rented it, I thought, wow, that's a big vehicle. 
was pretty intimidating. And then I had to start thinking about, well, what do I do about the water hookup and the, you know, the other hookups and, you know, how am I going to do this? How am I going to park it? You know, what can you do to kind of assuage some of our, our fears about all these things? You know, everybody starts someplace, right? I'm a perfect example of that. I didn't uh, start uh, my camping and, and RVing experience as an expert right out of the gate. But the good news is that there's a lot of information, a wealth of information that's available on that topic. We at Marvac like to, again, refer to ourselves as a source for all information, RVing and camping in the state. Um, and that, that is the case. There's there's all sorts of orientation-type videos that are available, articles, um, best practices, guidance, tips, and hints from the manufacturers to the dealers and all of the above. So uh, what do you uh, expect out of this season? Do you think this is going to really be a, a big camping season? And, and I ask that because uh, I am a bit concerned about hotel availability this coming summer. I think it's going to be a very busy summer for uh, people traveling and looking for traditional hotels. I'm wondering if it's the same case, uh, if you think it's going to be the same case for camping. Oh, it it is, Dave, without question. Um, during the pandemic, a, a lot of people discovered the outdoors for the first time or rediscovered the outdoors. And, and that drove them to campgrounds and the, the camping and RV lifestyle as a, as a means to recreate. And people even discovered that, hey, they can extend their weekend and, and work from, from a campground for a day or two. And uh, that has resulted in increased demand on campsites throughout the state of Michigan. Um, and we've, we've seen that. Um, but we're, we're meeting that demand and making sure that people understand the, the availability of those, as I said, 150 campgrounds or 150,000 campsites throughout the state. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people were brand new to camping and being outside, and maybe they really didn't treat nature as they should. Any advice or thoughts about that? Yeah, that's a great question, Dave. You know, we're working, we have a great collaboration with uh, with the DNR and the state of Michigan, and we're working with them to make sure to get some of that messaging out. First-time campers, first-time RVers um, need, you know, good information on, on making sure to, um, and there's a great campaign out there, Leap No Trace, um, to, to ensure that we're taking care of our natural resources. Studies have found that, that campers and RVers are, are traditionally among um, the most, the, the best stewards of our natural resources um, when they're when they're recreating, but making sure that people understand what their impact can be and to truly leave no trace is is an obligation that we have. Yeah, I really do uh, hope people get out there, enjoy camping somewhere in Michigan in any form they want, tent, RV, whatever, but do it responsibly. Think of uh, how much you love nature and how much you want to keep it as clean as it was before you got there, maybe even cleaner. You know, take only pictures and memories, leave only footprints, and you'll enjoy camping. Marvac is there to help you do that. Go to the website, marvac.org. That is M-A-R-V-A-C dot org. And our thanks to John Lindley for being with us today. That's all the time we have. We'll talk to you next week on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at Michigan.org. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling.